Now last week, this last week, Christina and I were visiting some of our family in uh, northern Kentucky and in central Kentucky and also in Ohio. Now I know that some of you don't really look forward to going home and seeing the family, uh, but I absolutely love it. And there are a lot of reasons why I look forward to seeing my family. The first one is, is my mom's sausage biscuits. Right, that's number reason, number one, right? My mom's sausage biscuits. My second thing is, is my dad smoked whatever dinners. Uh, my third reason is, is Christina's dad's lasagna and his desserts. All right, let's just face it. Right? I look forward to the food. It's not like Christina doesn't feed me well, obviously, right? But there's nothing like mom's homemade cooking or visiting those restaurants like Skyline or or Montgomery Inn Barbecue that you only get to go to once or twice a year. Now, if you're, if you're watching online, let us know what your favorite homemade meal is. Now, just be aware, no matter what you tell me or no matter what you comment up there, it, nothing is going to compare with my grandma's all gratin cabbage. But go ahead, tell me later after the service or comment away. Now, there's also one more thing that I look forward to when talking with my family or when traveling to see them, and that is engaging and talking and having conversations with all my nieces and my one nephew. Christina and I have not been blessed with children of our own, but we have the most amazing nieces and one nephew. All right, we have two in, in Michigan, the rest in Kentucky or in, in Cincinnati, right across the river from Kentucky. And they range in age from kindergarten to graduates out in the world, taking on and conquering the world that is around them. But all of them are amazing, and I love talking to them. Listen to just some of the things that I learned from some of these conversations that I had uh, just this week. All right, the first thing I learned is that popcorn... Right, popcorn is essential when setting up a space to do homework or just to do any work in general, you need to have popcorn. And I said, well, you work a lot like your Aunt Christina, right? But popcorn's essential. Another thing that I learned is, is what one pencil says to the other pencil, and that is looking sharp, right? Now, my preteen niece taught me that when someone is Spilling some tea, and it's an intense situation, you have to say the tea is boiling. I still don't know why, but that's what she insisted on telling me. I also learned that when uh, you're teaching your only nephew some wrestling moves that you had learned and, and used in the past, it's best to make him go to the bathroom first, or there's going to be a lot of gas involved in those said wrestling matches. Now, Linda's to say, right, talking with my nieces and nephew brings funny and joyful information into my life, right, not necessarily useful information, but information nonetheless, and it got me thinking, right, it got me thinking, which is a dangerous thing, because, you know, week after week, I try to bring a, a message that will impact your life, right, I try to bring a useful amount of important information that's going to make a difference in the way that we forge our lives on God, right? When we hear the, the word of God and where we can put it into play, that's the goal of us gathering each week, right? Where you feel emboldened and encouraged to step into the will of God and what he's asking you to do with your life. 
Right? And, and I pray, and I study, and I write, and I pray, and I study, and I write, and ask God to impact our church, right? Uh, the foundry, our impact, our, our community, Burke, right? We want a new life for those in Burke who are so tired that they can't imagine doing one more thing, that they cannot imagine one more thing on the to-do list, right? One more activity for the family to be involved in, and so we try here each Sunday morning to speak about finding rest and peace and joy and, and about how we can tap into a power that is not our own, that is greater than what we have on our own and living our best life, a life that we were designed to live, a life forged on God. Right? I pray for our church that God will guide us and help us to forge ahead that, that revival will happen in our hearts and in our minds and in our communities and families. And as I was thinking about these things, and as I was, as I was preparing this message and reading the chapters from this week's, week's uh, story, the chapters that we were reading inside the story, it hit me this right here. Right? I am not a burning bush. Right? I'm not a burning bush, and you're not a burning bush, and I'm never going to be a burning bush, and I know that's mind-blowing, right? right? Mind-blowing. We're not going to be a bush that is on fire. Now, maybe for some, this is a bit confusing, this, this first point here. So here's the truth, right? right this, this week, if you're following along with us in the story, we read about the call of Moses, the story of the exodus of God's uh, people. Well, an amazing story that I could talk about for a very uh, long time. I mean, they've right, made movies about it, multiple movies about this story. Right? It's an amazing story of the provision of God. It's about how he comes through even when there seems to be uh, no hope. How God can make a way through. How, how he is a God, the God of the rescue. Right? And we could go on and on. But listen, right? right? This amazing story is a precursor to one, if not the most important messages between God, right, our Lord, and mankind. Right? And again, it taught me this. Right? I am not a burning bush. Right? You're not a burning bush. Let's, let's, so let's go over this story and we'll see what I mean by this. Right, for, for several centuries, the, the people of Israel, God's chosen people, have lived as foreigners in Egypt. And for a long time, they went from being just foreigners to actually being slaves. And now the time of God's deliverance is drawing near, and a Jewish child is born, and his name is Moses. Right, he is, he's rescued Right, from that, that edict of death by Pharaoh's daughter and raised in the court of Pharaoh himself. Right? There, what, what's the, the Disney movie that explains this wonderfully? Is it Disney? DreamWorks, right? Go watch the DreamWorks movie or just read it in the Bible yourself. You got it, right? right he's rescued from, from this, this edict of death by Pharaoh's own daughter. And as an adult... He goes out into the, the working area, and he, he defends one of his king's, uh, kinsmen by killing an Egyptian, and then he then flees to the land of Midian. 
Now, in, in Midian, right, he meets his wife and becomes sort of a, a shepherd. And after living as a shepherd for quite some time, something amazing happens. Right? Around the time that Moses is 80 years old, he is out tending his flock, and an amazing conversation happens. Let's read it together. If you have your Bibles, Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 says this. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far out into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. Verse 3 says, this is amazing. Moses said to himself, why isn't that bush burning up? I must go and see it. Then when the Lord saw Moses coming, it says, to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Probably not my first response, but he said, here am I. (laughs) According to Exodus chapter 3, verse 1, the very first verse we just read there, Moses was just handling his daily workload as usual. Right? That day, he was just tending Jethro's flock. He was doing what he always does. Now, it was probably just another boring uh, work day for him as he led uh, the flock out into uh, the wilderness, out into the mountains. But this was not just another work day, right? We know that now, right? It was going to be a day of a truly remarkable encounter with God. I mean, we we read the Lord appeared to him through flames of a fire, right? At the burning bush, and his voice spoke to him through that fire. While Moses was overwhelmed with reverence, right? That powerful moment. This, this conversation between God and man would transform Moses' life forever. Right? This, this powerful moment in the midst of just everyday life. You see, look, the miraculous happens in the mundane. That's the first thing we can learn. The, the miraculous happens in the mundane. You see, time and time again, we are looking for a big old burning bush. And I know I am sometimes when I'm trying to figure out the will of God or what what he wants me to do. I'm just looking for this big old burning bush that's right in front of me that grabs my attention. We're we're asking God to show up in a a flashing neon sign or in a, a big old bolt of lightning. But the truth is, is we just need to get our heads out of the sand. We need to be aware of his presence and his voice that is all around us. And then we will see the miraculous. I mean, real quick, right? Listen to what it says in, in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. It says, an angel, right, an angel of the Lord appeared to a group of shepherds who were in their daily workplaces at night. He gave them a message that would change the course of history forever as the angel spoke about the birth of the Messiah. A great heavenly choir began a song, it says, of praise, and the sky shone with the glory of God. 
probably like a, an amazing celestial fireworks display. We read or we, we hear about this message almost every Christmas of these shepherds that were just doing their work and then they were told by an angel of the Messiah. Right? It was just another day, a typical day for them, for the shepherds. But again, the miraculous happened, just like it did for Moses. Now, Unfortunately, right, many of us feel that, that, that God can only uh, touch us or, or teach us or show us something in a dramatic fashion, right? That he can only give us good and powerful directions only at like conferences or, or revivals or seminars or, or at life and death moments that we are a part of, big moments, right? God certainly does reach out in those times, but listen, Foundry Church. Right? Last week, if you're following along in the story, and, and again, if, if you're not, don't worry. There's still plenty of time to catch up. Just grab a book or let us know that you need one and read it together with your family, right? But last week we were reading, in our readings, we learned that, that Joseph, who became uh, Pharaoh's right-hand man, well, God spoke to him just in a, in inside a humble prison, right? He's just going about his day. It was during his, his daily routine on, on a normal mundane day, and it too changed the course of history. Right? God did it for Joseph, for the shepherds, for Moses, and God still speaks to his people in their daily routine. We have to be aware. We have to practice uh, the spiritual disciplines of reading and prayer and meditating on God's word. You know, I've read that the famous preacher, uh, Billy Graham, who we all know, had such an encounter while he was just out on the golf course one random weekday trying to take a break, right? And it prepared him for ministry. And Mother Teresa had such a, a life-changing moment on a train ride from Calcutta to the Himalayan region. I mean, what a difference their lives made. And listen, you don't have to be Billy Graham or Mother Teresa, Right? God can, can speak to us near the, 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 the grill on the back deck or a, a computer or a, a mop or a keyboard or a, an exercise machine or a microphone. He can speak to us at school or on the bus or in any other place imaginable. Our Lord can speak to us. Right? God waits to speak to us in our daily routine and that's what we're learning from this long story short so we have to lean in to his voice we have to seize those divine moments all right god is waiting to speak to you we need only to listen for his voice and we can see from the the story of this burning bush when god calls us look god calls us by name when he calls us, God calls us by name. Uh, another thing we can learn from Moses' encounter with God in this burning bush. How comforting it is to know and to understand that God, who we forge our life on, knows and calls us by name. Right? He says, I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Yes, he knows you by name, it says in Isaiah. I mean, go back. Uh, to the story, to the, the first couple verses that we read. What were the first words that God spoke to Moses at the burning bush? Right, uh, 
a lot of people automatically say, God said, take off your sandals. But the truth is, God first called out his name twice, right? That's the very first thing he said. He said, Moses, Moses, right? God, God knew Moses in, uh, by name, and he knows you too, right? Time and, and time again in the Bible, God calls his people by their names, by who they are. Man, that's encouraging to me, Foundry Church. Right? The, the Bible has many more places and, and stories that we're going to look at in the weeks to come where God calls his people by their name. So Foundry Church, be assured that God knows you by name. And look, when we, when we get that down, the fact that he knows you by name shows how personal his love is for you. Right? The fact that he knows us by name shows us that his love is personal. That he wants to have a relationship with each and every one of us. Right? The Bible says, before I was born, the Lord called me from my mother's womb. He has spoken my name. It says that in Isaiah you know, when I, was, uh, when I was growing up, there was this guy in the church that, that we went to who loved to, to interact with all the kids in the church. He would go to everyone's football games or baseball games. He would go to all the plays and all the dance recitals. He would go to everything. But the problem was is that he didn't know anybody's name. Right? So, so, you know, in this church, 50 kids come walking in, and he'd go, Hey, sport, or, or how you doing, scout? How's it going, buddy? That was a good game last night. Way to go, champ, right? And it got to be kind of funny, right? right? He cared, right? He just didn't know any of our names, right? He was not the person that I would, would call and share my problems with, right? Because he didn't even know my name. He wasn't the, the two o'clock in the morning, there's something wrong, I need your help call, right? Because he, he didn't know our names, right? right? Jesus... Our Lord knows our name. He never says, hey, you. Or he never just says, hi. Right? He always says, hi, John. Or hi, Timothy. Or, or hey there, Carol. How are you doing, Dean? Right? He, he, doesn't, he doesn't just blow past us and call us sport. Right? When someone calls you by name, it changes things. It's a relationship. You feel known. You feel a bond. You feel connected. Right? When God calls us by name, it's like that we are a part of the, the family, that we are his child. The Bible says it like this, right? He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. Right? When God says, Moses, Moses, he's saying, my sheep, my son, come to me and I will give you a home. Right, look, read with me the, the verses 5 through 6 of the same chapter there in Exodus. Exodus 3, verses 5 through 6. All right, it says, Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you're standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. All right, what does... What does God instruct Moses to do? Take his shoes off, right? This request was twofold. 
And that's what's really interesting. First, we remember that Moses was put in a basket, right? He was put in a basket by his Hebrew mother. He was rejected by the Egyptians because uh, he killed one of them later on in his life. And while he was living with the, the Midianites out in the, in the desert, he was only allowed to live there because of his wife, right? Moses was now an old man with no country, right? like the movie, right? But God knew this. Right? God knew who Moses was. He knew Moses' story. He knew Moses' name, and he knew that he felt like an outsider his life, during his life. Right? So when God says, take off your shoes, he is reminding Moses that taking off one's shoes or sandals is a gesture in many cultures that is associated with entering a home. Right, God says, uh, here at the foot of this mountain with a burning bush in front of you, Moses, you are home with the God of the universe. Now the, the second reason Moses was asked to take off his shoes was because the place he was standing on was holy ground. Right? Right, faced with the, the awesomeness of God's holy presence, Moses hid his face in fear. Right, all is defined. The word all is defined as a, a reverent feeling of respect mixed with, with wonder and fear. And that is for sure how Moses must have felt. Right, when we experience a burning bush moment with God, we will surely be in awe of his holy presence. Right, we will find ourselves on holy ground and it changes everything. Right? Look at it like this. One of my, my favorite uh, stories is about Chuck Colson. Right? And on June 1st, 1973, uh, Chuck Colson was serving as the special counsel to President Nixon. And he heard the gospel for the first time on that date. Right? He heard that gospel from a friend named Tom Phillips, while Watergate, that scandal, was just exploding in the press. Right, so that night, Colson writes, he said, I cried out to God and found myself drawn irresistibly into his waiting arms. Right, that was the night that I gave my life to Jesus Christ and began the greatest adventure of my life. That's what he wrote. Now, several years later, the former White House hatchet man, that was what people called him, uh, repented of a woefully inadequate view of God. And he was, was in a very dry season in his forging his life on God. And a friend suggested to him, to Colson, to watch a video cassette. Does anyone remember those, right? But uh, to watch a video cassette of a, a series of lectures by this man named R.C. Spruill on the holiness of God. And here's what Colson writes in his book, Loving God, about how he felt after watching these cassette tapes. He says this, by the end of the, the sixth lecture, I was on my knees deep in prayer in awe of God's absolute holiness. Right? It was life-changing, he said. It was a life-changing experience as I gained a completely new understanding of the holy God I believe in and worship. You know, you, you see, look at it like this, right? When, when we experience the, the holiness of God, 
Right? When we experience the holiness of God, our reality changes. No matter if we're just doing what we always do, or if we're at <laughs> on a mountain with a burning bush and God speaking to us. John Piper says this about the holiness of God. He says his holiness is his utterly unique, divine, transcendent, pure essence, which in his uniqueness has infinite value, he says. It determines all that he is and does and is determined by no one. His holiness is what he is as God, which no one else will ever be. Holiness, standing in awe of God. The, the hymn writer, Reginald Herber, captured the beauty of God's holiness in his well-loved hymn, Holy, 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 with the lyrics like these, where he says, Only thou art holy. Right? There, is, <clears throat> excuse me, there is none beside thee, perfect in power and love and purity. And this is where it really hit me, church. Right? This is what, what we've been looking at for so long in this long story, story short. Right, look, right, the need to experience God's presence afresh. That's what it comes down to. The need to experience God's uh, holy presence afresh, anew, is a definite need among God's people today. It's a need when we're forging our life on Him. Right, people like us who are doing our best to live our best life, a life that is forged on God. As we forge our life on God, we have to seek God's holiness afresh, new in our lives daily. And each week I, I, we do our best to, to, to read, to study, to worship, to, to gather together, to pray. But here's the truth again, right? I'm not a burning bush. Right? And, and you're not a, a burning bush. You see, no matter how hard I try or no matter how hard uh, we at the foundry try, we cannot be God for you. Right? We cannot be a burning bush in the wilderness calling you by name. Right? When you are looking for a message from God, don't look at me, but look to him. Right? I'm not up here on fire trying to get your attention. God is. He is in your everyday mundane life walking with you, screaming out your name and you know how I know this? Because look at what it says in verse 14 of that same chapter that we've been reading. It says, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. I am who I am. Right? When God says I am, he isn't just naming himself. He is saying I am all things, everything you need. I not only have it, I am it. Right? Listen, church, don't look to me for answers. Right? Don't look to your spouse for answers or your friend for answers or your parents for answers or anyone else for answers because we're not going to cut it. Right? We are not it. God is. Right? Listen, re remember that Moses was 80 years old in this story, right? In this state of awe, right? He presents a number of reasons why he is not the right candidate for the job, right? Isn't it amazing that when we apply 
for a job or a, a scholarship. We show every reason why we should be considered that we're the right person for that job or that scholarship. Yet when God calls us, we often give every reason why we are not suitable for the task at hand. But God reminds us and Moses who he is by saying, I am who I am. Sure, he uses other people. He uses his spirit with inside of other Christians. But no one's going to replace him. He is God. It's almost as like he, he's saying this, I am. Right? I am. Right? Seriously, right? when God says I am, he's saying you have doubts, you have worries. You don't think I'm calling the right person with this burning bush moment in your life. Well, try me, he says. Or you feel like you don't have a family and you're all alone? He says this, right? I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, he says. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Right? He says, you feel like you can't go on much longer, that you have no energy? Well, God says this, I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He will sustain you. I can go on and on. Are you worried that what God is calling you to do is going to be the death of you? Well, he says this. He says this. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Are you worried that you feel alone? That you're just wandering around in the dark? Or God says this, I am the light of the world. Feel like you need a fresh start, a new beginning, or feel like you need something in your life before you can move forward with what he's calling you to do? He says this, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Right? He's the beginning and he is the end. Whatever you need, the great I am covers it. Moses said, I am old, I can't talk, I'm a nobody. And God said, I am everything you need. And it resulted in the greatest exodus in the history of mankind and the journey of God's people into the promised land. So Foundry Church, as uh, Joshua and Christina come up here, I'm, I'm going to end today by talking about Justin Bieber. I know, right? Hang in there with me, right? Just give me a second. Justin Bieber was recently interviewed by GQ, and he was asked about his faith, and he has a very strong faith. And during the interview, he talked about how we look at people in leadership in the church or people who are like our spiritual fathers or mothers or sisters in the church, and we think that they have it all together. We just look at other Christians and they say, oh, that person has it all together. Right Today, we could easily look at Moses when we were reading these chapters, and we can think, man, he was the guy who led the Israelites out of Egypt. He took them to the promised land. He had an amazing relationship with God. We could think, I could never be like that. But the funny thing is, is Justin Bieber ended his quote by saying this, the reality is every human being has the same access to God. And he's 100% right. Right, guys, I'm not a burning bush, and that's okay. You're not a burning bush, and that's okay, because we don't have to be. We already have the same access to God that Moses did in the burning bush and every other person in the Bible. 
God is shouting our names, showing us his holiness and that he's everything we need. We just need to look up and see him. Let's stand and worship the great I am.